we done many, many things wrong. I don't know what I'm going to say at the end of this episode. Because she did many things wrong. She's horrible. I know. What am I going to do? Are you okay? Okay, I'm back whenever you are. Are you okay over there? I heard that thing you- I heard you talking. I'm not okay. You know that's going in the beginning of the episode. Oh no! You know your mic was on and that's going in the beginning of the episode. Look How Sane and Linear We Are Being is a non-profit Homestuck fan analysis podcast and is not affiliated with Andrew Hussey or any of Homestuck's official entities. Please remember to support the release of its books and merchandise whenever possible. Feel free to read along with us. If you have epilepsy or any other light-sensitive disabilities or disorders, we suggest you stick to the audio. We have free audio transcriptions for this podcast linked in the episode description if you wish to read instead of listen. Both Elizabeths are trained writers and editors, so we're going to have some opinions about the construction of the story. These opinions may be different from yours, but we're not attacking the comic, just offering suggestions. This show is not safe for work, and if you're a minor, we ask that you wait to listen until you are old enough to be shipped off of Alternia to serve her imperious condescension. It's time to go to hell. Welcome to Look How Sane and Linear We Are Being, a Homestuck fan cast in the year of our Lord 2019. I'm Elizabeth. And I'm also Elizabeth. Uh huh. It sure sounds like you're Elizabeth and no one else. I am Elizabeth. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, you don't sound like anyone else. At all. I was just impersonating maybe somebody else. Uh Uh-huh. You know, someone who's maybe really great. No. Someone who is just the best. No. You know, someone that fornicates. No. (laughs) Absolutely not. Take that back right now and never say that again. Ever. No, she doesn't, because she is 13. She is 13, yes, so she doesn't, but it, that's something she would say, probably. She would say that. She would say it. <laughs> she would say it. She's awful. She's really awful. Elizabeth, who are we talking about? I was not prepared. How are you not prepared? We've been waiting for this for 2,000 pages. I know. Elizabeth, I'm sorry, we've been waiting. Oh my god. I was not prepared for how just truly awful she was right out of the gate. The, the, yeah. The, the gate. Yeah. So, who do you think this is? This blue text arachnid's grip with a fucking eye patch? Well, clearly, it's Riska. Yeah. Yeah. I know we say Briska does nothing wrong at, like, the end of every episode. I think I'm going to need to come up with a new closer because 
we've only known her for like 10 pages and she has done so many things wrong already. I want an itemized list in your mind what are Vriska's crimes right now. <laughs> her first crime is ableism, first of all. It's really great when a character is introduced and like the first thing they say is like horrifically ableist. This is not her first sentence. This is like maybe like three or four sentences down. She says, my team's got no use for a boy that can't make no use of his legs. You were fated for a team of losers full of blind girls and lame boys and cranky imbeciles. Like, that's her introduction. That's like five different ableist things in two sentences. What the fuck, Friska? What the fuck? So first there's that. Yeah. <laughs> And then there's, I don't know what's been going on, but she seems like a manipulative, awful asshole. Straight up. Yeah, that's Friska. To the point where a quote-unquote friend of hers wants to cut off contact with her because she's had a clear negative effect on like his self-image and his self-esteem. And then she keeps contacting him and telling him not to trust the friend who's trying to help him out. This just in, Vriska gaslights. Yeah, I don't know if it's gaslighting, but it is clearly abusive behavior. Well, okay, maybe this specific thing isn't gaslighting, but she does gaslight people. Yes, and this specifically is textbook abusive behavior. These kids, like, insult each other and stuff. This is not that. This is on a different level. See, Elizabeth, every story needs a villain, and Vriska is one of them, but she's also a main character. Yeah. Again, I barely know her, and she freaks me out. I hate her so much. Wait, like, more than just, like, in the story? The fact that she's so bad right out of the gate, and to Tavros? now, Elizabeth, I wanna I wanna tell you something. <laughs> you you might judge this person retroactively. But remember how I was saying that like or my, my college roommate hated Solix with all of her guts? Uh-huh. Vriska was her favorite character. No! No! <laughs> and you know what the weirdest part is? She's like a nice person. I like Bethany. Okay, listen. I'm sure that as we go on. Vriska will be an interesting character in this story, but I can't imagine even now liking her at all. The thing about fiction is that characters can be interesting and they can be genuinely awful, and that's Vriska. I enjoy watching Vriska because it's like watching a train wreck, but if I met a Vriska in real life, I would be fucking pissed off. Yeah, no. I'm sure she'll be interesting, but also, I hate her. Oh, I'm sorry, Elizabeth, do you hate her? <laughs> uh-huh. By association, I hate everything about her. Like, I can't tell if I actually hate how she types, or if I just hate it, like, by association because I already hate her. Have you noticed that when she has, like, 
a bunch of dots next to each other, or when she drags out a word really long, it's always exactly eight letters. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> and have you noticed that all of her smileys have eight eyes? Mm-hmm. I have. <laughs> and Elizabeth, have you noticed that all of her bees are eight? Yes. No, listen, like, I actually... And have you noticed that, like, whenever there's, like, phonetically, like, the sound eight in a word, she'll replace it with an eight? Yes. No, listen, those things aren't the things that bother me about her typing, actually. What, what bothers you about her typing if it's not the typing quirk? Because that's everything you need to know about a uh, troll is... I know, but what I don't like is that otherwise she types completely normally. How is that different from anybody? Literally every other troll has just a wild typing quirk, and Riska's just seems totally normal, except for the eighth, and I don't like that because I feel like it goes along with her manipulation. I actually didn't notice that. That's a very good insight, Elizabeth. I have to applaud you for that. Yeah, I actually, like... I, I really do have to applaud you that someone such as dumb and horrible as you could think of, like, something that creative. Oh my god. Yeah, no, thank you for the... I'm just saying facts. Compliment. Uh-huh. No. Anyway, it's also interesting to me that, like, leading up to her introduction and even around it, like, earlier on in Act 5, we saw full uh, interactions where they were very mean to each other. Just straight up insulting each other, every other word, because, you know, partly it's Carcat and all of that. All around the Riska introduction, there are trolls and troll interactions that aren't like that. And I think mostly it's because of, of Tavros. I feel like Ironically, he would fit right in with the kids, with, you know, John and Rose and Dave and Jade. He doesn't really seem to get it. He doesn't really seem to understand the whole culture of insults or whatever it is that's going on with the others. And so when we see Vriska in the middle of this directly going after Tavros, it's very jarring. Or at least it was very jarring to me. And I actually think, like, all of that was a very good idea, like, story-wise, character-wise. That That's kind of why I was, like, egging you on to just, like, wait out <laughs> the troll culture thing. Because, again, like, I will give praise to Andrew Hussey where he deserves it. Because he's very good at, like, this subtle dialogue shit. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. Whenever any of the other trolls, like, talk to each other... They are insulting each other, but when you get to Vriska, you see just how actually bad her dialogue is. Because everyone on the other side, it's like, oh man, I'm going to say something something mean to you, and then you'll say something mean back, and we're kind of going to ping pong around each other. And their chemistry like always kind of meshes together, no matter how much they're insulting each other. But then you get to Vriska, and she's saying this shit, and Tavros just like fucking shuts down. Right. That whole conversation where he didn't even, like, say anything, and she just steamrolled him. Ugh. It's also kind of genius because Andrew Hussey puts a 
dialogue with Tavros with Gamzee right after that. Uh-huh. And you can see the difference. Right, like, you're like, oh. Oh, that's the boy! This is my boy! This is the boy. Like, he is excited, he is talking a lot, and Gamzee is clearly, like, supporting him. Even in that conversation, like, Tavros kind of jabs, at, like, not to Gamzee, but Gamzee also doesn't jab to him. Right. Like, they mirror each other. If someone's jabbing, the other person is jabbing back. And if someone isn't jabbing, then the other person also doesn't jab back. But Vriska does not follow those rules. Right. That's the thing. There are these rules of interactions. And even when they are jabbing at each other, there have been at least two times now with two different trolls where they sort of cut the facade for a second and say, like, hey, are we still friends? And then the other person is like, yeah, of course. We keep seeing this is sort of a facade. They're on equal footing. It all seems like a mutual agreement. Right. Oh, haha, we're going to participate in this. And then there's Riska, and whatever the fuck she's doing, Tavos has not agreed to it. No. Again, like, Andrew Hussey is just, like, so good at just subtle dialogue shifts. As much shit as I give him for, like, the plot stuff that I don't agree with with him, mm-hmm. I, like, barely ever have a problem with his dialogue. Right. Other than, like, when he says, like, the R word or whatever. Everything outside of the dialogue, there's no subtlety to it. It's like you just get hit in the face with whatever it is. In the dialogue, it's all about subtlety. It's about character dynamics. Everything that everyone says and the way they say it down to the color of the text and the typing quirks themselves is calculated. We learn more about the story through those dialogues than anything else. That was clear here. We have not gotten confirmation that this is Riska, but- It's Riska. I've known the spider thing for ages. I knew her- You know her troll tag. Yeah, I know her troll tag. I know her typing quirk. I was waiting. I saw AG and I was like, oh no, it's her. But there's something very subtle about- her typing quirk that I want you to notice just like for future reference because she did it once in this reading session when she was talking to Aradia. By the way, we met Aradia. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. She replaces eight with phonetic eights in her typing quirk. But there are a lot of times where she doesn't do that. And it's always a treat to pay attention to when she doesn't do it because It's usually when she is frazzled or distressed or something like that. She did it once in this one, and that's when she was signing off with Aradia. When she said, let me know when you're live later. Uh Uh-huh. And she didn't use an eight. Yeah. No, she also didn't say it a couple lines up. Talk about dead weight. Yeah. It's always good to pay attention to those. I feel like later you'll see a little bit of a pattern in it, but it's always a little interesting. Yeah. Oh, the thing is, like, I fucking hate Riska, but I fucking love Riska. Like, the more we're talking about it, again, I hate her. I hate her immediately. Her presence has immediately added another dimension, like, to everything. Like, the juxtaposition 
of her and everyone else, of her interactions and everyone else, it throws new light on everything. When you're writing anything, a really good thing to do is to just, not like, is just like throw a fucking cherry bomb down. It'll fuck things up and it'll make all of the characters just like, oh no, fuck, go back a little bit. But like, it's always very interesting. And Vriska is a million cherry bombs and she's always there. It's not in a chaotic way. For once, I feel like I know what Hussey is doing. And, like, first of all, it's such a relief because it's always so frustrating to me when I'm like, I don't know what the fuck he's trying to do here, and I don't think it's working. Here, what we were just talking about, I was finally like, I feel like I have something to talk about now. Yeah. Riska adds a lot of substance to Homestock. Right. I hate everything about her personality. Right. And I do not like her... I don't want her to talk to, like, anybody that I like in Homestuck. I want her to stay far away from all of them. But if she was not in Homestuck, Homestuck would be such a boring comic. It would be much more one note. Suddenly, she enters the scene, and every dynamic changes. The way you think about troll culture and how they've been interacting changes. The way you're thinking about the game changes. Like... It's really interesting. It's like, I hate her so much, but, like, in a good way. Right. Like, this is a sign of a good antagonist. There's something to push up against. That's not just the narrative. Up till this point, I felt like the only thing I can push up against is the narrative. And that's very frustrating as a reader. And I know that it's, like, on purpose and whatever, but I personally, like, don't appreciate it. I want to push up against something in the narrative, not the narrative itself. And then Vriska. And that's Vriska. There are other characters, like, later on that will fill this role, too. Mm -hmm. There's maybe about, like, I'd say, like, three or four that are very good. None of them are on par with Vriska. Yeah. Um, because I think Vriska does the best job at being the worst person. Right. The thing is, we also know... Like, she has not been introduced to us yet. No. But we know more about her than we know about most of the other characters, I would argue. Just because of the way she's acted with a couple different people, we know that she lies even to the people who she's supposedly on the same team with. We know that she's trying to, like, make these teams. She's trying to... I don't know if I would say, like, turn everyone against each other. It's more like, oh, you and me, we're on the same side against these other people. The fun thing is, like, when Briska comes up, which is now, we've had two conversations with Briska, and I feel like, this is obviously not a fact, but I have this feeling that I know her as well as I knew Karkat and Kanaya and Terezi when we only knew them as texts. I feel like I know her better than Solix. Yes. Who we have been introduced to. A hundred percent agreed. These two conversations have done for Vriska what the trial scene did for Terezi. Yes. Which is really interesting. Um, Elizabeth. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you're comparing them. <laughs> yes. I'm so glad you're comparing the two of them specifically. Oh, man, now I want to talk about this because 
Also, I'm just so excited that I have something to talk about that I really like because they are such different ways of introducing a character. Because Terezi is on her own, she's acting, she's not speaking. We see a lot of this, we don't get a lot of description. It's in her voice. It's like it's an acted scene, but the only audience is us, the readers. It tells us so much about her. It like tells us where sort of her alignment is, like her values. It tells us what she cares about and what she spends her time on. And it also portrays her as pretty young. Like, we learn all of this stuff about her in that scene. Yeah. And in the same way, we learn a lot of things about Riska in these two conversations, but it's such a different scene. It's solely text. It's dialogue. We learn about the most about Terezi when she's alone. We learn the most about Riska when she's talking to other people. God! Oh. Elizabeth, is Homestuck good? <laughs> Parts of Homestuck are good. Parts of Homestuck are well-written. I, I feel like I fluctuate like every episode because like right now I'm like, oh, Homestuck's so good. This part was very good. A part of me is just like, Hussy, why are parts so bad? You can be subtle. Here, look. You did this really well. Like, you trusted us here. So often I feel like he doesn't trust me as a reader to know what he is doing. So he just spells everything out. And that's so frustrating. Because then he'll do something like this that's really very subtle. And it'll land like so much else hasn't. That's it! <laughs> Can Homestuck just be dialogue logs? How many times have we said that, and how many times are we going to say it before this podcast is over? There are times where I do like the narration. Yeah. There are times where I do think it works, but there are also times where I'm just like, fucking throw that all out, make this more experimental, and just have it be like this fucking dialogue. Because there have been very few dialogue conversations in Homestuck where I've been like, I wasn't a fan of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're not all gonna be gold, but, like, barely any of them do I leave it going, like, mm, I don't have a feeling. I'm very good with, like, leaving a dialogue and being like, oh, I hated that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's obviously awesome when I leave a dialogue and I'm like, that was so funny. But I, I never, like, don't have a feeling when I read his dialogue. Yeah. Which, which is amazing. That's very good. It's the voice of the narration that's the problem. The Terezi scene worked because it wasn't the voice of the narration, it was Terezi's voice. She had taken over the narration for those pages. When it's one of the characters' voices, it works. And maybe he's just, like, better at getting into that mind space than it is for him to show off his own. Because, again, like, when you're writing something, it's very hard to just be offhand about it and not have an opinion about it because his narration will sometimes have an opinion but it never has an effect on the narration yeah 
but he's very good at getting into the minds of his own characters. I don't care what Andrew Hussey thinks. I just want to read your comic, man. Right! He is not compelling to me. Who's compelling to me, which is a good thing in any kind of story, are the characters. So when we get the characters, that's very compelling. And when we get the voice of their narration, which is characterized as Andrew Hussey's voice deliberately, I actually don't care because you're the author. I don't want to hear about you. I don't want to hear from you. I want to read Homestuck. <laughs> it's a little frustrating. Yeah, but anyway, this was all good. He was doing the good thing that he's very good at. And I, I, I know some people really do love his narrating style, and that's not bad. I'm just... Right. Man, your dialogue's so much better, though. I have read worse narrating styles, but I've barely read better dialogue. Right. <laughs> if there's two things you're doing here, and one you're like, okay, yeah, like some people like it, but also some people really hate it, and the other, it's just good, it's just almost universally good, then man, just please lean into that. I have spoken to many people that have read Homestuck, and I, I don't want to be like, 9 out of 10 dentists recommend dental floss or whatever, but like, I, I don't think I have a memory of someone going, eh, the dialogue was okay, because everybody I've talked to are like, the dialogue's my favorite part. Every single person. I've never met a person who's read Homestuck all the way through and is like, you know what? I would have liked less dialogue logs. Right. But I have met a lot of people that are either positive or completely negative about the narrative. I mean, that's telling. It's something that he creates so many characters. He's created a lot of characters. We have met a lot of characters, and we're going to meet a lot more still. And... All of them are the most compelling part of the story. After we meet all of these 12 trolls and all of the four original humans, then when he introduces more characters, then I'm like, okay, now they're getting a little, you know, like, now this is too much. That's a little overkill. You know, usually you would think that 16 characters is too much. Yeah. For any other author, I'd be like, 16? Mm -hmm. That's a lot. You might want to pare that down. For interesting those 16 each have like a very different personality there there's some overlap in like things that they enjoy and their character traits but they never overlap in the same way and it they only overlap enough so that they have enough to talk about to each other right even when he introduces too many characters later mm -hmm. they each feel different and some of them are meant to be, like, copies of other characters, and they still feel different. That's one thing he's really good at. He's good at creating characters and giving you an opinion about them. And making them just similar enough to other characters that you compare them without saying, oh, this is an exact, the exact same character. Out of all of the trolls we've met so far, I don't think there are any of them that I'm like, that's just the same character as like one of the humans. It feels like they could step outside of Homestuck proper and just exist. Yeah, which is surprising considering that they have traits that are stereotypical in a lot of ways. 
the, the way they're introduced that's like this is who they are and this is what they like and all of that so good we've been talking about Briska for 40 minutes we <laughs> we have I think we should go to the mini game. I think we should too Right, motherfucker. I heard you saying good things about Briska, so I bet you're glad to see me again. But it's time for the worst part of the episode. It's the mid-episode minigame. It sure is. I've never said a good thing about Briska in my life, and I'm not about to. What'd you say about that, that you love manipulative bitches? Mm, I know I didn't say literally anything like that. Can we get on with the minigame, troll Liz? Tell the audience what games they might be able to hear today. We have Troll Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, Troll The Price is Right, Troll Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader, and Troll Supermarket Sweep. Go ahead and fucking spin that wheel. Alright, I'll spin that wheel. Yeah, go ahead and spin that wheel and see what you get, you bitch. Troll The Price is Right. Alright, Troll The Price is Right is a lot like Human The Price is Right, if that fucking existed. I'm gonna give Elizabeth five items, and she has to guess how many Earth dollars those items are. If she goes above, then she loses it entirely. If she goes below it, then I guess that's a point or whatever. I haven't actually figured out how the prizes for this one works, but who cares? (gasps) Who cares? I'm probably not going to win it. If she does get an item exactly like same dollars and cents and shit, like just right on the money, that is an instant prize, though. I do know that. Anyway, Elizabeth, are you ready for your items? Sure, why not? How much would you pay on Target or Amazon for a 50 First Dates DVD? This is not Blu-ray. Okay. Hmm. Straight up, just the DVD? Just the DVD. Is there, is there like, a bonus features disc? No, no, no. It is just 50 First Dates. You know, the one with Matthew McConaughey and Drew Barrymore. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, I mean, Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. <laughs> <laughs> Don't slander Matthew McConaughey like this. I won't, I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't apologize to me, apologize to Matthew McConaughey. I'm sorry, Matthew. He doesn't accept your apology. I'm gonna go with $11.99. Well, Elizabeth, fuck you, that's too high. It is... Five dollars even. Ooh! <laughs> Rip. A steal. Ooh, boy. Oh, man. A cool even five dollars. That's a really cheap DVD. This is on Target and Amazon, so they're like two very big stores. Yep. Because, you know, I guess that's how capitalism works. Anyway, are you ready for the, uh, the second? <laughs> yes, go ahead. How much would you pay for a Fifty First Dates Big Daddy DVD? This is Fifty First Dates, but it also has Big Daddy on it. And you could buy this at Target. How much would you pay for it? Okay. How about... Remember, just Fifty First Dates on its own is $5. Wait, I'm going to go with $8. Elizabeth, that's too high. Oh my god! (laughs) Because the Fifty First Dates Big Daddy combination DVD is $5.19. What? Just using math, Big Daddy costs 19 cents. Wow. 
Big Daddy is worth 19 cents to Target. It sure is. That's two that you've missed already. Elizabeth, are you ready for the third one? Yes. Elizabeth, let's say you're shopping on Amazon and you want to pick up the 51st State's CD soundtrack. How much would you pay for that? Two fifty, not including shipping. $2.50? Yes. Well, at least you didn't get it over because this is $8.41. The soundtrack is more than the DVD? It sure is. That makes no sense. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. But Elizabeth, let's say you've gotten all of your 50 First State discs ready. Uh-huh. You've consumed enough 50 First States to be a super fan of it. Uh-huh. You decide to go buy a 50 First States minimalist coffee mug on fineartamerica.com. How much would you pay for that? Uh, $15? Again, you didn't go over, but you're wrong because it's $18.50 for a mug. You know what? I feel like that was closer. I feel like I'm closing in. I, I feel like you're going to get this last one very well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because this one is something you can find on Etsy at Hollywood Mint Scripts. This is the exact title. Okay. 51st Dates, Signed Movie Film, Screenplay Script, Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore, Autographed Signatures, Funny Film. Oof. You said this is selling on Etsy? This is on Etsy from the user Hollywood Mint Scripts. Hmm. <laughs> Is it the only one of its kind? Uh, it does not say. Okay. I'm going to go with... But Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore have both autographed it. Yes, I have heard this. How about $39 even? Oh, so you're lowballing it? Yeah. That's, is that you lowballing it? Because you can actually pick up the 51st State signed movie film screenplay script Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore, autographed signature funny film for $19.99. That's like a dollar and forty nine cents more than the mug. More than the cup. <laughs> you could buy three of these scripts, and it would cost the same amount as it would to buy the, the fucking Wyndham Exercise Machine in Legally Blonde. <laughs> because it's three easy payments of nineteen ninety nine. Oh. God, you're right. Yeah. Also, from now on, I'm going to have to talk about all prices for everything in terms of that. You've changed my life. Because it is three small, easy payments of $19.99. It is. Anyway, you fucked up. Yeah, pretty badly. You really did. You have no idea how much 51st Dates is worth in my heart. I don't, yeah. Although, to be fair, it can't be that much because you didn't know who played the lead guy. That was a goof that I did. Uh-huh. You know. Sure. Anyway, I think we should get back to the episode because we did talk, like, way too much about Friska and we yeah. have, like, other characters we need to talk about. Yep. Always. Sounds good. <laughs> Okay, we're back, and because we talked for so long about Frisco, we're kind of lightning rounding the rest of this. What do you think about Aradia Megiddo? Um, I don't like her that much. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean... Like, not even a little bit? I mean, I guess she's okay. I mean, like, I can't exactly blame her for her 
searing nihilism and depression, but also I just don't like her very much. But Elizabeth, Mm -hmm. she's your patron troll. Oh no, is she? Oh no, she is. Yeah, she's Aries. Oh. You can tell because on the art of this, you also have the red on you. Damn. Yeah, so she's you. Or she's not you, but she's your patron. That's upsetting. I think I'm going to I think I'm going to change my birthday. You can't do that. I'm gonna. When we meet the troll that is my patron, you're gonna be happy that you have Aradia. <laughs> oh no. For all all of you that know Homestuck, I'm a fucking Sagittarius, so guess who I get? <sighs> <laughs> I don't know who you get, but I'm gonna find out eventually. We actually saw his glasses in this session. Okay. Do you remember when they were talking about Tavros getting his legs caught off by Kanaya? Yes. And they said, like, he just stares. Oh, God, yes. That was him. Oh, no. That's my patron. So be fucking glad you have Aradia. Okay, I'm glad I have Aradia. Yeah, that's what I thought, bitch. Oh, wait, Trollis isn't here. What am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) It's bleeding through. Oh, no. No, but... You can kind of get the sense that Aradia used to be a little more lively, but, you know, not now. No, I mean, now, you know, a bunch of the spirits of the dead speak to her, and she knows the world is going to end and stuff like that, so... To be fair, the spirits of the dead spoke to her before she was dead. I mean, yeah, but, like, when there's an incoming, like, apocalypse, suddenly there's a big uptick in, like, the dead speaking to you, and that's got to be kind of a downer. An apocalypse that's your fault? Yeah, maybe. An apocalypse that you, like, manipulated your friend to making happen? Yeah. I like Aradia. She did endear herself to me by the first when she was talking to Riska. I promise I'm not going to start talking about Riska again as much as I kind of want to. But where she was just like, oh boy, that's way too many of the same letter in a row twice. I do like it when Aradia gets snarky. Yeah. It does have a little bit of her personality there. You see that, like, she used to be, like, an archaeologist. Yeah. But then she also tore down that frog for fun because she was bored. Yeah. In that conversation, Griska was acting like she was deliberately manipulating Solix and all of that. And Eladio's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Cut it out. I don't do that kind of stuff. You're not getting it. You're, you never listen. As much as Riska was talking about them being, like, on the same team, again, Riska's playing, like, this other game, and Aradia's not buying into it. Not to talk about Riska again, but, like, Aradia, like, knows not to take her shit. Right. And I wonder where she learned that lesson. Yeah. I just stuck out my tongue for some reason. (laughs) Oh, God. Anyway, Aradia's got, like, the best fucking mascara she does, yes, that is very true. And the hair, the hair is also good. Like, her look, her aesthetic is very good. She's like that one song where it's like, uh, you know, the spooky. You know that song? No. Love is kind of crazy with a spooky little girl like you. <laughs> <laughs> have you never heard that song? Spooky. No. I have never heard the song. it's Van Morrison. <laughs> I've never heard the song, but it does seem, uh... I will have to find it and give it to you because it's very good. Yeah. But 
that's always what I think of when I think of Arania. I always think of spooky. Yeah, she is spooky. Anyway, there's not actually a lot to talk about Arania yet, except she made Salix fall asleep. She did. She seems to be manipulating things a little bit. I mean, more than a little bit. I have to ask, how many fucking psychics are here? I know, like, there are so many psychics. Oh my god. Like, Arania's a psychic, Salix is a psychic, Tavros is a psychic, but only to animals, I guess. I mean, Terezi isn't... There's, like, the seeing the future kind of psychic, and then there's, like, the other kind of psychic. I don't know. You're psychic? You're psychic? You're psychic? I'm psychic! Are there any other psychics we should know about? <laughs> and then Tavros goes meow because he does speak animal. Oh, right. He does. <laughs> Just again, lightning. We're lightning rounding this shit. Right, right. Tavros speaks to animals. Tavros also thinks he's going to be killed when he turns into an adult. Yeah, there's that. That's kind of upsetting. He also likes the troll version of Peter Pan, which I'm like, yeah, I just, I like him. Elizabeth, he's actually called Pupa Pan? Yeah, no. And it's a shame that the troll version of it is just as racist as the human version. I don't know. Why did they keep... <laughs> like, why did they have to keep the racism? Why couldn't they have just had the Peter Pan and, and then just, like, not had the racism part? We didn't need that. <laughs> I do think it was interesting that Hussey made a point to say Tavros doesn't want to fly because he's paralyzed, because he's disabled. That's just something he's always wanted. He would kind of like to walk, but, you know, like, that actually kind of felt genuine. Like, we talked about this last time, but it was the thing where like, different relationships to disabilities and people who were born with a disability versus people who have acquired a disability during their life. And I think that actually wasn't, obviously I don't know this for sure, but I think that wasn't a bad way of handling that. He knew that, like, it would seem that way, and so he just talked about it, like, straight up. Like, it's just something about Tavos. He likes this fantasy stuff. I actually do appreciate that. And I do appreciate when they, like, when they separate his disability from, like, any other trait about him. And because it, it, it's like, yeah, this is just, like, this is Tavros. I do think his restaurant block is really inaccessible for him, though, and he might need to think about upgrading. Can we get someone in here to make this small boy's home more accessible because... It doesn't seem like he has anyone to help him out here. I feel like maybe if his Lucis was bigger, like, the Lucis could help him out of his cocoon and shit. Yeah, for real. But they also talked about how he might not make it to adulthood, and they were like, yeah, because he's going to be called by, um, by people, probably because he's disabled, or for any other number of arbitrary reasons. Like... Yeah, so, you know. They, like, pretty much outright say that, like, trolls are being dumb about this. Yeah, it's not good. But we already know that there are bad things about troll culture. Yeah, I do appreciate how they've handled Tavros in these pages. Because, you know, it's just like, oh yeah, this is Tavros. Hi, everybody. It seems pretty good. Also, he gets his legs cut off. Yeah, there was that. Bye, Kanaya. Bye, Kanaya. As someone else watched. Yeah. Well, we'll see about that eventually, I guess. Yeah, we will. I wonder when he's coming up as, like, a character. It might be soon. 
Oh, speaking of Lucis's. Lu- yes, Lucy. Lucy. Yeah, Therese's Lucis was born and then died. <laughs> yeah, and it was like released the Doomsday Clock, and it was like, did this cause Doomsday, or did it not, or did she? Like, we don't really know. There's nothing really to say about it because it's it's just a thing that happened. But like, I didn't want to not address it. Right. Before we wrap this up, uh, I got ahead of you this time and made sure I had written down my troll ranking. Oh! Oh, you did! Did! Oh, you did! You did that for me! For you! For me, your friend! Yes! So, would you would you like to hear that? No. Anyway, that's all of the homestuck we have for today. <laughs> well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it anyway. We read through pages 2,108 through 2,150. Has anyone ever told you that you're the worst? <laughs> I guess you can read all of homestuck, all about all of the trolls that I like to varying degrees and dislike to varying degrees at homestuck.com. And if you need accessible versions that are more accessible than Tavos's uh, Respite Block on our Tumblr, lookhowsane.tumblr.com. And Elizabeth also writes transcriptions for every episode. We haven't run into a, um, a deaf or a hard of hearing character yet in Homestuck, but if we did have one, I would be like, hey, you know, this person would read the transcriptions. Yeah. But instead, nope. Nope. Can't make that comparison. Maybe later. Who knows? That would be that would be nice. I know. You do know. We also have a Twitter that's at how underscore sane, which Liz runs. So if you have a question about the podcast, please send that along. Elizabeth's brother, John Michael, friend of our music. Did you forget the name for a minute? Elizabeth's brother John Michael wrote the music. Were you? And it's, it's a good, it's a good track. Were you checking if you got his name right there? You paused for for a second. Hey Elizabeth, do you want to say your character ranking right now? <laughs> no, you don't get it now. Too bad you missed your chance. Now all I'm gonna say is to go rate and review us on iTunes and tell your friends about our podcast where we talk a lot about Riska, unfortunately. And all the not wrong things she does. And all the not wrong things she does. And I can't say it. Because I'm not going to be able to say it. I can't say this. I can't. She did so many things wrong. You can say it. No. Do you want me to say it? And remember, (laughs) Riska did nothing wrong. She did so many things wrong, she's at the bottom of my character ranking. What's your character ranking? Terezi, Tavros, Kanaya, Solix, Karkat, Aradia, Gamzee, Vriska. Bye, everyone!